to the Heartstream Musings podcast, a podcast to help you on your journey of self-love. I'm your host, Lisa Mae Francisco, a self-love coach and inner child guide. In the podcast, we'll dive deep on how to heal your inner child wounds, break your relationship patterns, and liberate your truth so you can claim the relationships in life that you deserve. Thanks so much for listening. I'm super excited that you're here. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I hope you've been loving the podcast. As I mentioned before, we're at the halfway point of season one, and I would absolutely love to hear what you think. For anyone that leaves me a written review on Apple Podcasts, I'm offering a free one-hour EFT session. It's the first introductory EFT session I offer to people. It's actually $50, but if you leave a review, you will get a free one-hour session with me. So write a written review, send me a screenshot, send it to my email at hello at lisamaycoaching.com and I'll hook you up with a free EFT session. Awesome. So this episode is part two of my last episode and how I met my partner B. And I, it was funny. I had to listen to the previous episode again because I was batch recording all of my episodes and I literally have not recorded in so long. I probably put like a, I probably took a two month break. Honestly, I was on a roll. I go through those phases of where I'm like, all right, I'm going to batch all this shit out. Da, 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 da. And then I just got on the TikTok train and like literally I just post on there all the time. I love it. It's stream of conscious to me. I don't plan any of my TikTok posts, but that's just like my new flavor of of the month. Um, But anyways, it's like beautiful because I love creating content for y'all. I love sharing my stories. I love being an expander for you, especially on this self-love transformation and journey and just being honest and real. And yeah, so it's like together with my content, with my newsletters, for people who like to who like to read newsletters, I have that. I have my folks on the podcast game who want who are more audio, you know, learning styles. And then I have my people on Instagram, then I have my peeps on um, TikTok. And then now I'm gonna do in-person events. I'm based in San Francisco, but when I travel, I'll do I'll try to do local events wherever I go, but that is how you can find me (laughs) in like my little hub. It's like presented in a beautiful platter of like, what do you want? What do you want? Um, This buffet. Anyway, so, uh, so I haven't recorded in a while. And so it's just like, it's super fun to get back into this, to just be in that vibe and just record and share with you all. And so I had to really think about, oh, how do I want to structure this episode? How do I want to talk about it? Because it is such such an impactful topic. Um, it's one of my favorite stories to share. It is one of my biggest lessons and it's one of the experiences I've had that's really catapulted me into my journey of being a self-love coach. Um, and so in this specific episode, I'm going to share lessons I learned during my separation from B while I was in California, him in De- Denmark why I actually thought he was my twin flame. (laughs) I felt like in 2020, the word twin flame was just a hot fucking topic. Everybody wanted to meet their their twin flame. I think even so now, I don't 
talk to too many people who talk about it as much, but I just remember before that was, that was the thing. Um, and so how I thought that, you know, B was my twin flame and how that kept me stuck and not in the present moment, just more dating tests and experiences, some fun, some not fun, (laughs) the inner child work I was already doing and also applying it in a very different way. So when I was doing inner child work, if you go back to my earlier episodes, I was very, it was very specific to my parents, but I had never applied it in a romantic setting. And so that was just an expansion for me, right? Of, of growing to my edges in that way, in a different way. And then I'll also talk about the energetic state that I was in that allowed him to come back into my life. So as we all know, water seeks its own level. So if you ever want to know where you're at energetically, look at what you're attracting in your life. Honestly, everything is just a mirror to you. Everything, every experience you have is a mirror to you. Obviously, there are some things that we cannot control, but just look around and see where you're at. Anyways, so last time I left you all on a cliffhanger and it, it I actually ended it pretty abruptly, just like how my partner <laughs> left my life and that attachment rupture that kind of ensued. And so it was during COVID when he had left the States to go back to Denmark, be with his family, all that stuff. And we tried, I mean, we didn't necessarily try to have a relationship. I think we just definitely tried to keep in touch, but we only dated for three weeks in person. I don't think you can really know someone in three weeks, although we did feel like we were madly in love. Um, but okay. California and Denmark are nine hours apart. That is just too crazy to try and start a romantic relationship, especially you're just I mean, we would just be talking on the phone all the time, just not being present for our lives. And, you know, it was really hard when he did leave, but it was just so difficult. The time zone was difficult, all of that stuff. And I just remember that my anxious attachment started to come back. And so for me, I felt like I was just regressing. I was activated as fuck. I... That so that vision that I had of myself embodying of just being this person that was just so in my worth, expressing my feelings, not feeling anxious, it definitely came back when he was away. So that's what I did notice. And that's what the definition of anxious attachment is. It's like when the other person leaves, you start to get anxiety. You don't feel secure when they're not there with you. And so... I felt like I was anxious and I hadn't had those feelings in a really long time. And it felt even more hurtful because I had it with this person that I thought was a really secure figure or that could be a secure figure in my life. So to have that taken away was just, it was hard. It was harder than, you know, than other guys who I've dated before. And so, I I mean, at that point, I also learned about twin flames. And so I read it, I actually read about it in Push. So that publication by Kourtney Kardashian, and it described it as meeting someone who mirrors to you all the good and bad parts of yourself. And so 
together, when you are together, uh, you have a lot of similarities and dissimilarities and you create this, this whole person. So both of your personalities, when they come together, they create this whole being and it's symbolic of like the yin and the yang energies and Plato even talks about it in philosophy of how each of us, our souls come together, but then we separate when we come into the physical body of our form onto this, this fifth dimensional plane, which is called earth. And that's why we feel like our whole lives we're missing our other half. And, but when we meet that one person, we feel whole. So that's where that whole idea comes from. And, um, you know, the publication also mentioned it's just the most powerful relationship a person can have and they can encounter in this lifetime because you have to be spiritually advanced in order to take in all the lessons that your twin flame will teach you, what will come up for you, because they are literally a mirror for your deepest, darkest shadows that make you want to run. (laughs) So you're constantly being mirrored, your insecurities, your fears, your shadows, all of that shit. So that's why you need to be very spiritually advanced to handle it. And most will have this runner chaser dynamic and there will be that separation fate, that stage because the feelings are just too intense. And that's why I think some people tolerate on and off relationships because they think they're in this twin flame relationship and that it's part of the process when it might just be that you're in a toxic karmic relationship. And it's it's so interesting because when I was in my quote unquote separation stage from my partner, I had to learn this lesson of how do I communicate what I'm feeling? Will this person even care what I'm feeling? Because we're not even in a relationship. We're not even committed to each other. Sure, we had a great month of just being together and sort of just being that. I guess this, we resuscitated each other into believing in love again. Both of us did. You know, I was at a place where I wasn't dating, then I met him and I was like, wow, holy shit, he's amazing. And, you know, same with him. And, So for us, it was just, okay, you know, I don't even know if he's going to care about these feelings that I have because he's not obligated to. Um, And especially since we just didn't decide on any sort of level of commitment. And so for me to express, hey, I'm feeling neglected by you, blah, 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 that was just really hard. I I find it very hard to communicate that to guys that I'm with because I'm worried that they will dismiss me, they will gaslight me, um, all of that things. All those things I've learned and experienced with other guys I've dated and just in childhood too. And so the interesting thing is that it just really taught me this lesson of humility because I thought being single that I was so healed. I was doing this deep inner work on myself, but literally that's kind of the stage of just being on a mountain by yourself. And then you're not going into town where all these people are. And then it's like, great, let's go, let's go see if all of your spiritual lessons that you're learning on the mountaintop by yourself are actually are actually working. Let's put you in contact with people. And so 
it's funny, like when you're single, you think you're so healed, you're ready for relationships, you go out with your list of your ideal person, and then you think, okay, great, I'm going to just learn about myself, I'm going to learn what I, or apply what I learned, this is going to be experiential learning experience. And then you realize that the relationships, whether it's commitment, non-commitment, whatever, they're all just, you know, mirrors and lessons for you to learn more about yourself. They're just the fertilizers for all your triggers. They are dormant. Your triggers are dormant. And when you're with someone, they just come out like boogie monsters in the closet. And so I thought I was healed, but I just realized, okay, I'm not as advanced as I thought I was. I thought I was totally secure. I thought I got rid of my anxious attachment, blah, blah, blah. Uh, And then I realized, oh shit. All right. There's just still more work to do there. And, um, you know, as we were apart, he also did admit to me that he had just gone, gotten out of a relationship, that they were no longer together, um, and that they were separated. And so I guess that just really upset me more so at myself because it just mirrored to me that I felt like I didn't really know this person and that it was just infatuation. Um, you know, I think when you're dating someone for a month, it's definitely just hormones racing and all of that stuff they tell you not to react to on your first dates with someone because your emotional levels are just imbalanced. I mean, it's the same type of feeling you get when like your dopamine is crazy. Oxytocin is crazy. It's the same feeling that you get when you get high off of drugs. I mean, like love drunk, (laughs) you know, um, and your hormones don't actually recalibrate until the two year mark when you start looking at compatibility, which is a huge factor in dating. And so it's, you know, that stage and that point where you realize, I want to stay with this person for the long haul. You start to take them off the pedestal and see their humanity. And then, you know, your five is like thinking, okay, I guess I can do this, or I guess I won't do this. Um, really thinking if you truly want to be with them, accept them as they are, and you just reach this different state of bliss if you go past the five-year mark. And so anyways, there are just different stages in relationship. And at the time, he and I were just at the one-month mark. <laughs> and so, you know, the the distance between us, not really knowing each other, the time zones, not even knowing if we would ever see each other again, because this was a time during COVID when it just started. It was summer of 2020 when literally everything shut down. No one knew what the hell was going to happen. And people were just feeling, oh my God, just super stressed out, crazy, all of that stuff. People just wanted to get the hell out of wherever they were, but they couldn't. And so I had, you know, my feelings of anxious attachment, just rampant, running around <laughs> And I just, I was avoidant. I couldn't handle it. And so I decided to just stop. I just decided to sever the communication. And I didn't want to speak to him after that. And I had to communicate that to him. But it was just, you know, really hard for me to be present in my life when I was still pining for someone else. And now that I had, you know, all of this, you know, experiences kind of compounded, it just made it easier to separate from him. And, um, you know, I just went on about with my life. We would 
chat here and there, but it wasn't like we'd talk to each other on the phone or anything. And so it was just really, really, really difficult. And I've gone through many, it's like mini heartbreaks, right? I think I think that's the hardest part of dating people is because you have hope for someone and then you have good moments and then you realize it's not going to work out and then you just have these mini heartbreaks. I mean, which is obviously better than like the bigger heartbreaks of long-term relationships, but it still sucks. And so, you know, I went on about my life. I was sad. I felt some of my feelings. The important word is some. (laughs) So I went on the dating apps. (laughs) I went on the dating apps. I was like, all right. I feel like, uh, uh, you know, I took some time off, not a better place. All right, let's just see what else is out there. And for whatever reason, I talked about it last time in my last episode, Gate 61 from Human Design. uh, What is it called? Um, Claircognizance. So that ability to know beyond understanding. I just intuitively knew that whomever I would date after B, that would be the biggest lesson that I learned because I knew that I needed to learn more about myself in a dating relationship and that context before I met my real partner in life. Like I just knew that. Like obviously things did not work with with you know B. So I guess there's just more lessons from the universe that I obviously need to learn <laughs> begrudgingly. And that is when I met my next lesson. And I like to call my COVID boyfriend. And I mentioned it in my podcast about freezing my eggs and how this person just reminded me so much of my dad. All the, you know, the great qualities, not so great qualities. And it was just the lessons that I needed to learn with this person. And it taught me how to be in relationships after having raised my standards. So when I was with B, I really thought that I, you know, was ready to stand in my worth. I wouldn't accept anything less. Da, 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 da. And it was definitely hard getting back out there after having this experience because that part of wanting to be liked, accepted, not rejected or abandoned came back also. So it was almost like more of the same feelings and emotions, but really in intense ways started to summon, be summoned. So I talked about my anxious attachment feelings coming back. And I just spoke about the feelings of like wanting to be accepted and not rejected or abandoned when dating someone new. They just like came back full force. I think it was just, I was in a really tender state. And, you know, all these feelings are totally normal when you date someone for the first couple of months, right? It's human to want to be loved and accepted. So you show your best parts in the beginning and then they kind of come out over time. (laughs) But with my COVID boyfriend, I just had to really express my needs, what wasn't okay with me. And for me, that was hard because it was like standing up for myself all the times I couldn't as a kid because remember, this guy reminded me so much of my dad. So I felt like in some weird way, I got to go back to those fragmented pieces of myself when I was a little kid and rewrite that story, rewrite that narrative. And so you know, relationships are a great, great tool to heal yourself. And you always have to ask yourself, am I healing from this situation or am I hurting from this situation? 
And so, but also that balance, right? Because I've heard people say, well, I can use this person as a means to help heal myself. When really it's like, maybe you might just be re-traumatizing yourself. So you have to be really astute um, and really clear and connect to yourself of what are your bottom line behaviors? What are your, like, we're not going to do this. Your, your red flags, all of that stuff, non-negotiables and really sticking to it because it's just so easy when it comes to love to settle. I see it a lot. I see it so much. And so anyways, um, I had to truly learn how to not settle for less when I was with my COVID boyfriend. And so even though he and I were compatible and there were still fundamental things that were missing, but it just really forced me to reassess what were the things that mattered to me? So I really had to get super clear and narrow in on what my priorities were in a relationship. What were the pillars of the foundation of what I wanted to build a relationship on, right? For me, I want physical, mental, spiritual, emotional connection. I want it all. I don't want to have to settle because those pillars to me are the foundation for a relationship that I want to build my the future for my life and my kids right? I'm not thinking about, oh, this is just some guy that I'm dating in my 20s. No, I'm at that stage where I want to have a family. I want to get married. I'm traditional in that sense. And so what was important to me, because ultimately what I'm receiving from the person that I'm dating is the same thing that my kids will receive, right? And I always look at it through that lens of, you know, what is the emotional trauma this person has that will be passed down to my kids, (laughs) Mm. And is a person doing inner work so that they can have a better future for themselves and others? Like that is one of the most important things to me is how self-aware is a person and how willing are they to work on themselves and their development and admit their faults in order so they so that they can become better people and understand the impact that they have, not just on, you know, the little community that we have at home, because ultimately that has a ripple effect out into the world and the collective, right? And I heard that in a retreat that I recently went to, that heal at home, you heal the world, right? Because oftentimes when you go to school and you think about little kids and they're upset, it's because they're unhappy at home. It always starts with a home. And so that should be a priority. You bring all of that to when you're at work, with your friends, everything. So everything starts from home. Okay. That was that was a really funny tangent. I'm like totally on my soapbox here. But anyways, I do not care. Thank you for listening to me. <laughs> but anyway, so I did not have that emotional connection with the COVID boyfriend. I did not. And so again, having to walk away just because I'm attracted to someone, you know, emotionally beforehand does not mean that I will regress. And so it just means how am I actually responding to the information that I'm being given? Am I going to repeat this pattern or am I going to choose consciously in a different way? People often talk about having to, having to, a conscious relationship. The conscious relationship comes from you being conscious enough to actually understand which dynamic you want to bring into the relationship. Of course, it takes two to tango, but ultimately it starts with you. Like it starts with you. You allow people to treat you the way that you set the example and the tone for. And so, you know, I decided to let go of that person. You can hear about it on my egg freezing journey. 
love that podcast. It's beautiful. Um, and so I just spent time alone again. I spent time alone again, but I also still had that lingering feeling of, oh my gosh, Ben was, you know, he, or yeah, I was like, he was the one that was, you know, we had that emotional connection, all that stuff. And we didn't talk much, but I thought about him more often than we were actually in contact. So even though I didn't speak to him, he was still on my mind. And so with me needing to learn more lessons of how to stand in my worth and uphold this vision of not settling and, you know, just him having to process his last relationship that he was in, it was just very, very interesting because the separation was very much needed energetically for both of us on each of our ends. And, you know, every time we did contact each other, it was kind of crazy because it would always be 11, 11 my time. And so we'd always end up talking at that time, like just texting. And then that made me think, oh my gosh, we are twin flames. <laughs> like 11, 11, it's the, it's the sign for twin flames. <laughs> and I saw these two ducks that lived in the lake uh, near my house. One was black and one was white. And like I mentioned before, the twin flames have the yin and the yang energy. And it just reminded me of that concept. And it was funny because these two ducks, they're actually together. They were a couple and I do have a t-shirt <laughs> because someone made a t-shirt with uh, the black duck and the white duck. And so it was just so cute because they were a couple and they were well known at the lake that I loved at and everybody knew them. Um, yeah. But anyway, so ultimately I thought, okay, he is my twin flame. And so I'm just going to keep thinking about him and like doing my own thing. Cause I know he'll come back and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but ultimately again, that just left me stuck, not in the present moment of what was thinking about the lessons that I needed to learn because I just felt like he would come back into my life. And so ultimately for me, I had to understand that even if I wasn't with him, you know, I, I just felt like I also was getting many signs, but I just found myself needing to pause again. And even though everyone else was just experiencing Groundhog's Day, right? Because it was COVID and that it was a time of limited options. I just felt like I was in this suspended time of trying to get over someone. It was just really annoying. Nothing was happening in the States. Like Denmark, they were already up and running, like no no COVID rules. They were just living their best lives out there. Um, but anyways, it was, it was literally my hermit period. Like you think about the heroine's journey and it's just that period where you're in um, initiation. So it's departure, the three phases, departure, initiation, and return. So I was in the initiation phase of just really looking at the lessons, really at these inflection points and just having to go inwards and reflect and be a hermit as we were all forced to. Um, and so I really had to dive deeper into my inner child work and think about all the qualities that he elicited and made me feel. And so instead of pining for an external source to make me feel these things, how could I self-source that instead so I am not reliant on anyone else, right? That is why I teach and coach people on self-love. I help them with their transformation and journey because once you're able to self-source, 
that's when the power changes. You become empowered. You become your advocate. You become your ally. You become your divine lover, parent, and friend. Like that is everything. And so thinking to myself, how could I give myself that adoration and truly become that lover for myself, my own divine lover? I mean, have you ever caressed yourself? I'm not talking about self-pleasure, but I'm like caressed your hair the way you want a lover to, the way you want a lover to hold you, to touch you. Like, have you actually done that to yourself, right? People often crave physical touch, but how can you make love to your own body, through touch, not even like self-pleasure or anything like that or reaching orgasm, but literally thinking about that. And so, you know, thinking about the emotional support that I wanted for myself and how could I give that to myself? Because ultimately that is unconditional love. The unconditional love that I crave that I thought I could only get from him and that external adoration. How do I do that for myself? And so what I ended up doing was literally taking another moratorium. You know, I love me and my dating moratoriums. It's like that thing that always recalibrates me. It's like a cleanse, right? People go on all these like juice cleanses or whatever, or like dieting. That's like a, a love, love fast right there, right? Like just get all of that energy out of you, all of like the other people out of your aura, that magnetic field, like just get them out and just start filling it up with your own aura, that goodness, that loveless, like all that juicy stuff. And so I ended up doing a lot of dates with myself. I spent a lot of time with my girlfriends. I did a shit ton of arts and crafts. I mean, everyone was like in their own little hobbies during COVID. Um, I spent time with my family, my nephew, and I just started to feel better. I started to feel whole again. It's like that feeling that you feel when you are truly healing from a breakup and just feeling resuscitated into this new being. You're being rebirthed, literally, after that karmic like death. Of that, of shedding old parts of yourself, is how do you rebirth into this new person? And so, you know, I definitely ended up starting to feel better. And then, um, you know, that's when you get the little tests, right? It's like, okay, all right, you, you reached a new level. So let's see if it sticks. <laughs> and then B, he contacts me again and he tells me that he's in New York. And I got so pissed. I got so pissed because I wish you went to California instead. Um, and in that moment, again, if I'm if I'm emotionally like really highly triggered, it's because one it happened a long time ago, and I'm reacting to whatever happened a long time ago that I haven't healed, or two. It's a deflection because I'm really pissed off at myself. It's either one of the two for me. And in this situation, I was mad at myself. I was mad at myself because even though I was starting to feel better from doing this work, deep down inside, like honestly, deep down inside, my heart of hearts, my motives were to get better so I could have him come into my life, right? I told you. I thought I, he was my twin flame. The separation phase, phase stage told me that they were supposed to come back. And it was like I was fake healing for the prize. And that just didn't feel good to me. I felt icky. I felt like, damn, girl, you 
you know, your motives were, were shown to you. And it was a slap in the face. And I, in, in retrospect, I loved that. Like I really needed that ass kicking to be like, all right, girl, you really want to have that self-love. You really are talking about self-sourcing. You're really talking about inner child healing. You are not done yet. You need to do it again. You need to do it at a deeper level because you ultimately did not even move on from him. And so even though it felt like a slap in the face because I was still essentially pining for this person, you know, but their love and just, it just had impacted me and affected me so much. It was just so profound at the deepest level. And I felt like it was just a blip. And so it's that old feeling of what happened was I, it's, I like this person more than they like me, which means they can actually have the power to hurt me. And no one wants to be more vulnerable because it's better to have the upper hand. And so my walls came up. And I thought, oh my gosh, they're moving on. I'm such a fucking loser. (laughs) I'm like pining away for him. I'm so stupid, blah, blah, blah. And I said, fuck this. I am just going to create more walls so no one else can penetrate them and hurt me ever, ever again in my life. You know, it's like a little kid slamming a door shut. Like that's actually the image I'm getting right now. Yeah, it's little Lisa getting real upset. But, you know, for me, I was like, all right, I just need space. <laughs> I need space. I need like complete, complete no contact, even though we weren't even talking at all, really. It was just like text, hey, how you doing? Um, I just really needed complete no contact, not even high, all of that stuff. Um, you know, because I realized I just didn't really move on. And it's not fair for me to be energetically hung up on someone. And, you know, my heart isn't open. And I wanted to be serious about finding my partner. I knew that after I was in that, you know, short of a relationship, just how impactful it was that I wanted it for longer. And that's something that I thought, am I ready for it? And so I just created my own purgatory of not moving on and wanting to be somewhere else. And so when I think and look back about it now, when I tried to date that COVID boyfriend, I also was not emotionally available because I was I was still hung up on B, right? And for me, that made me realize that I needed to do an integrity check. I was upset at the COVID boyfriend for not being emotionally available with me when really I wasn't with him. And so that's why it's so important to have self-awareness when we reflect on these things because it's so easy to point the finger But I think it's also important to point the finger at yourself and have humility and the courage to admit when you're wrong. And just know that admitting when you're wrong doesn't mean that you have any less power than the other person. Like, why does it have to be about a power dynamic when really it's just there to teach you how can you be better, right? How can you be better? And so I really, really just decided to dive deep, focus on my inner child healing, kind of grieve, actually give myself the opportunity to think, okay, if this person wasn't coming back, then you need to close that chapter shut, right? Just really, really close it shut. And so just grieve that you're not going to be with him. And so I had to really be in that energetic state of forgiveness and just being moved 
and just moving on, you know, as if I would not end up marrying him. And so I focused hardcore on that and, and just really learning how to love myself the way he did. And so anytime I wanted to reach out, understand what I, I had to understand what I was craving and learning how to be my own lover and be with little Lisa because she did miss him a lot, right? She missed her playmate. And so when I did want to reach out, I had to do work of, hey, what are you feeling? What are you missing? What are you craving? Just getting in touch, right? Building that communication. How do you connect with the parts of you that have these emotions come up and and miss someone else? And so, you know, because there was nothing really to do except for work, (laughs) work from home while, you know, during COVID. Um... There was there were no distractions. There's no distraction of meeting new people, having to commute to work. Um, and so all that's left was just you and yourself. And so I focused on the things that I that I dreamt about. I got serious about writing a book about my inner child. So I have the first draft of that. And I dove deeper into that dream, not knowing that it would fuel and pave the path for my coaching. So I did my I did the draft of that book uh, before I got certified in life coaching. So it's like interesting to see these events of like once I stopped focusing on the guy coming back and focused on me and my self-love and my relationship to my inner child, that's when things just started blossoming. So writing my book, getting certified in life coaching, like that relationship I had with B again propelled me to dive into what I now realize is my dharma. But I got to a point where I was also just living my best life. I was doing solo YOLO trips in California, not traveling, but just really enjoying the state that I lived in. I got to travel to different parts of Northern California, like Mendocino. I absolutely love Northern California. It's just so beautiful. Got to travel down South and visit my family in San Diego And it just felt good to be in that rhythm of just doing the healing for myself and not that motive of, oh, I'm doing this because I need to be with my twin flame. That's why I'm doing this work so I can find the love of my life. It's like when you look at the motives, it's basically like when they say enjoy the journey, even though you're really trying to focus on the outcome, but don't miss the process and the actual journey of getting there. That's where you get the satisfaction from. That's where you get the most joy from is the process. And so, you know, ultimately to me, the point of any healing is to bring you closer to the most important relationship, which is the one with yourself. The only person that's truly, truly capable of loving you unconditionally. So why wouldn't you want to work on that the most, right? Instead of trying to force people to love you the way that you want, just love yourself that way. Because that way, when you have that barometer of treating yourself so damn good, you won't accept mistreatment from anybody else. You truly, truly won't. It's like, I don't treat my treat myself that way. Why would I let you treat me that way? Bye. So anyways, and that's when I kind of opened the gates and I thought, all right, I think I'm ready to date again. I'm doing all this work on myself. I think I'm ready to let someone in. And so I did that whole thing, freezing my eggs. Again, if you haven't listened, go back to that episode. It's amazing. Uh, And the shit that just went down, the people I dated and all that stuff. And so I had moved on from B 
finally, and was on that fertility journey. And I accepted just being single and, you know, okay, maybe I might be a single mom by choice if I don't have that traditional family model and that's okay. Or maybe I won't have kids at all. And I'll just devote my life to my sole purpose and vacation. And, you know, that just was the energy that I was that I was radiating, that my body was just emitting of just true, true self-love, devotion to myself, all of that. And so after freezing my eggs and passing another test of standing up for myself again while I was dating other people, that is when B came back into my life. And so it was actually almost a month after freezing my eggs and I was with my sister and her family camping and B told me he was coming back to the States, coming back to California. The borders had like officially opened up and he was making his way to California and wanted to see me. And this was a, a surprise to me because I had shut that door on that fantasy, right? Remember I told you I moved on, did inner child healing work, became my own lover, blah, blah, blah. And I just literally shut that door on that fantasy of him becoming my husband. I was like in a place of gratitude and acceptance for the relationship, for what it was, what it brought into my life, how I had to raise my standards, my bar, all of that, and just how it led me to love myself deeper and apply inner child work in this way. And so just not even you know, healing from parental healing on those wounds, but from a romantic lens. And so I was giving myself... And little Lisa, the emotional stuff that B gave me when he was with me during those few but impactful weeks. And I just kind of like tied a nice bow around it, just all this like loving, loving lens. But that put me in a place of energetically able to see him and receive him in a way and reconnect with him where I didn't have an emotional contract and that hidden agenda or motive of, oh, if he does see me, then what's going to happen? Is he going to be my boyfriend? Are we going to live out that fantasy that I wanted of like him being my husband and stuff? And I just didn't think about any of that. I was truly in the present moment. And I said, wow, the universe just gave me a birthday surprise that the guy who I like really, really liked is coming back to the States. Hell yeah, I want to see him. I don't even care if we end up together. Like I just want to see him and I want to be around him. And I just want to be around his energy. And so I, the fact that it was just so beautiful that I was truly in the present moment, not even caring how it was going to turn out. And mind you, a lot of the people who knew how hard it was for me to get over B were worried that if I did see him, that I would regress and be back in that state of having to try to move on from him. So many people, oh my God, so many people thought it was such a bad idea. But I said, nope, I'm just going to listen to myself. I know myself. I trust myself. And I am, can honestly say that I am not looking for him to be my boyfriend. I just want to have fun and enjoy all the work that I've done and just be in the present as someone who reminded me of my worthiness and my divinity and who adored me. And so I thought that is a very nice present. <laughs> And I wanted a summer fling. And so I thought, great, maybe B can just reignite my hope and spark for finding my long-term partner again. And, you know, I just thought this is, this is awesome. And so anyways, he just visited me after 16 months of not seeing each other. And it was like full circle. I picked him up at the airport where I dropped him off 16 months prior and, you know, 
He was only supposed to stay with me for a week, but we fell in love again so quickly. He decided to stay with me longer and asked me to be his girlfriend, even though we didn't live in the same country. And was I did not expect that to happen. I really, really didn't. <laughs> but it just felt right. You know, it just felt really natural with him and I, and as it always has been. And it was as if we had just picked up right where we had left and no time had passed between us. It was like COVID didn't even exist. 16 months apart didn't even exist. The people we dated in between, uh, you know, us meeting each other again didn't exist. And, you know, ultimately we just both wanted the same thing of just what is it like to be with each other? And so since we were working from home all the time, I was able to move to Denmark for a couple months and work from there. And that just solidified our love and decision to commit to one another and, you know, think about what does life in the Bay Area look like. And so when I look back and reflect, the interesting thing is that that time apart was truly, truly necessary on both ends. For me, I had to learn to love and give little Lisa the love that I got from B and really look and understand that to have this relationship, you know, given and also taken away, I had to have that time apart to learn how to love myself. And it also helped me deepen my connection to the vine. And I also learned how to use my voice when I dated that COVID boyfriend who was so similar to my father and what that meant to me and having to integrate those lessons and then, you know, getting truly into my, the path of my Dharma of, you know, writing my book about my inner child and then doing the life coaching certification. And then for him on his end, having to heal from, you know, his previous relationship that he was in in order to be in a serious partnership with me and what that looks like, like, you definitely need time and space to allow for integration of pain and healing from breakups. And so, you know, ultimately I did notice that when we were apart, my core wound of being forgotten when he left resurfaced and I experienced my attachment rupture, which was very, very real. And that just felt so deep and it was activated at a cellular pre-verbal level when he left me. And so I had to process that through this experience and it was one of my most challenging, but also most liberating moments of my life because it brought me here. And so I just absolutely adore him. He is one of my greatest teachers. That experience was like everything. And so, you know, there's just so much more to our story even after that chapter. And, you know, I'll divulge little by little, but I think a I honestly, a book could be written for like every spiritual lesson with him, especially my other experience of what it's like in my first year of partnership with him when we had that and when he actually moved in with me. And so, you know, it's it's truly hard trying to find a life partner and someone you're compatible with who also reciprocates your feelings. But I will say this, it's actually harder to be in partnership. <laughs> you know, a lot of people think, oh, it's so hard to find the person. Don't get me wrong. It totally is. That took me many, many years. But the real test is when you're actually with them. And how do you, how do you fight for each other? How do you fight for yourself? How do you do it all in a loving way? How do you sacrifice Whose turn is it to sacrifice? How do you compromise without compromising yourself? It's a, it's a delicate balance. It's like all in service of interdependence and ultimately wanting to build a family, whether it's just you two or other people that are involved and the impact that you have on each other and the world. And so, you know, literally thinking that when I was alone, I was just so woke as fuck and 
kind of like smoke and mirrors with all the spiritual practices, but it's the universe testing you. All right, girl, like you think you're woke as fuck. Here's a mirror into all the deepest parts of yourself that you don't like, and it's going to come out and you're going to want to hide and pretend to be perfect. And my emotions are coming out sideways, (laughs) like a lot of that stuff. Um, But it's just been lifetimes of like ego deaths in such a short amount of times. And when you find yourself in a place where there's no more ego to squash, then you're just swimming in this blissful, beautiful, bountiful state of surrender and receptivity and union. And it's just ecstasy when you allow someone to penetrate your soul and see through to the depths of who you are. It's unlike anything I've ever experienced in my life to truly be seen and not afraid. And it's in by him loving me that I also love myself deeper that isn't accessible on my own. So learning to love myself was that initiation to this divine love. And that's why I do the work I do because I know how hard it is to break those patterns you had, right? From your childhood wounds and be conscious about not repeating them so you can truly create a new paradigm, a new future for yourself and others. Because how you are at home truly affects a collective, right? A healthy family dynamic between you and another person that serves as a foundation for your kids if you want it to someday, right? And so healing and hurting, I mentioned it before, it's first experience at home and that's the ripple effect out into the community. So it's important you just start with yourself first. The most important relationship is yourself and how to cultivate that self-love, trust, and confidence and connect to you and your inner truth. And that's why I am such a proponent of learning how to become your own divine lover first before you actually allow another person in. This is an excuse though, is not an excuse to to like prolong being in relationships and be like sexually anorexic or like love anorexic. But how do you allow other people in while also making sure that you are tuning to yourself and your needs and loving on you the way that you want to be loved. So anyways, that was a lot. (laughs) That was a lot of fun. I hope you followed like the whole story and the tangents and everything. But anyways, I'm just going to end it there. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to my story about my experience. I hope this episode serves you. If you want to work with me one-on-one, you can check out my website, lisamaycoaching.com. I have a page where I list all of my offerings. I'm doing one-on-one coaching right now, and it's absolutely amazing. I love helping people using this somatic tool of emotional freedom technique. It's tapping where we do that. So... I have four-month packages, six-month packages, all of that good stuff. And feel free to, you know, DM me on Instagram or shoot me an email. My contact information is on my website. I would love to support you. I would love to help you because I know where you've been, right? And by doing inner child work, by doing EFT, by really focusing on yourself, you can truly have the life that you deserve. You truly, truly can. Absolutely. And so before I sign off though, here's my question for you today. What are you doing to fill your own self-love cup and connect to the little you? All right. I'll catch you later. Bye everybody.